Appreciate everyone being here tonight, and I'm honored that you would come again tonight, and I hope tonight will be a help to you. Hopefully it will be something that you can take home and put into practice uh, right away. It will be something that the Lord uh, would continually work in your heart on. All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Just before we start, let's have a word of prayer, and uh, we'll get right into this. Father, thank you so much for this day and for the opportunity that you've given us to, again, be here today. Father, thank you for our free country and for all that it is, and I pray that you would continually help our politicians as they make decisions, that you would guide them in the right way, help them to do the right things, and Father, I pray that you would uh, just give us great wisdom as we continue to move forward. Father, we love you, and we're so thankful that you are love. And that because of your love, we can share that love with people around us. And I pray that tonight we would learn what love actually does and how truly important it is, not only in our personal lives, but for the life, life of your church to which you died and gave yourself. Father, we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. John chapter 13, uh, verse 35. The Bible is very clear. Most of you would know this. I've used this verse uh, several times already. Uh, the Bible says, By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one toward another. I'm going to stop. Is my microphone on? Can anybody hear me? It's not on. That means, sorry. I don't know what I did. I can try turning it off and back on. Sorry, guys. I just know that Nobody, I'm going to lose my voice, number one. Nobody online is going to be able to hear me, and you guys are going to be frustrated. So what's, the, oh, there we go. Whatever you did, it just worked. All right. Back. John chapter 13, verse 35. There we go. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. All right. A family that loves each other is an awesome thing to behold. Let me say that again because I love it. A family that loves each other is an awesome thing to behold. I love seeing a family that loves each other. The older I get, the more stories I hear, the more thankful I am that I have the family that I have. I can say honestly um, that my brothers and my, my brother and my sisters, we all love each other. And we're all very thankful for each other. We call everybody on their birthdays. We uh, talk in between those times. We enjoy uh, each other's company. And I love when we get together, we have a great time. The older I get, the more stories I hear. That's not exactly a normal thing. There are lots of things that are not normal in that. And so there's something very interesting here that I love in I, and I'm interested in. We all get along genuinely and enjoy each other's company, but as a church, we need to have love one for another. If you saw a church that loved each other uh, unconditionally, what would you think? Whoa, that's weird, right? Because that's not normal for a church. Again, you have this uh, feeling and this understanding that that's what it should be. And the older you get and the more churches you attend, the more you realize that's not necessarily the case. So, As a church, we need to have love one for another. But sometimes we often look at that and we say, well, what exactly does love look like? What exactly does love look like? How am I supposed to act? How am I supposed to uh, allow love to be seen through me? 
how do I show another family member that I love them? Often, I've used this illustration before, but my kids asked me the other day something about love. And I said, well, how do you know you love them? And they said, well, they do things for us. I said, so only people that do things for you are the people you love, right? And they said, no, that's not right. And I just began asking them questions about love and what, what, it, what does it mean to love someone? You know, the Bible is an amazing book. The Bible has much to say about love. And here we are in the love chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And we're going to pick up our lesson in verse 4. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 13 verse 4, Charity or love suffereth long. By the way, let me just stop right there. Charity, I believe, is love in action. Okay? Charity is love in action. So you often hear pastors' input right there. Charity is love. I believe charity is love, but love in action. Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up. Verse 5, does not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth, beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Charity never faileth. Whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. I want to give you this evening the first installment of love's actions. Love's actions. We won't make it through all of them tonight. But I want to focus in on, again, verses 4 and 5. Let's read those one more time and see if we can gather what love's actions are. The Bible says, Charity suffereth long and is kind charity envieth not charity vaunteth not itself is not puffed up doth not behave itself unseemly seeketh not her own is not easily provoked thinketh no evil let's start walking through some of these number one charity suffereth long we all love this one don't we some of you are like, oh, please don't start here. You know what lo- suffering long is? It means long suffering. None of us like that term suffering. If you're married, you can fill in the blank on that one. There's some suffering. Well, let's establish exactly what long suffering is. Well, it is exactly what it sounds like. Let me give you an example. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is often our example, isn't he? Jesus Christ, our example, died on the cross. Jesus Christ went through much more than any human being could bear. He went through beating. He went through having his beard ripped from him. He went through having a cat of nine tails ripped through his body 39 times. He went through a crown of thorns being beat upon his head. He went through, uh, get this, he went through a robe being placed upon him and then ripped off his back as the wounds were drying. Listen, Jesus went through some serious, serious grief. Went through some serious suffering. Then he was 
made to carry his own cross to which he crumbled under the weight. Simon had to come and take that weight for him and carry his cross up to Golgotha in which he was nailed on the cross and Jesus standing there really trying to get every breath he possibly could and then hang back down, hanging by his hands and by his feet, suffered long until he finally said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And it is finished. You see, Jesus suffered long, but you know why he did it? John chapter 3 and verse 16, for God so loved the world. You see, Jesus did it out of love. The Bible says that he became sin for us who knew no sin. I want you to understand this. I think you understand this from uh, all of the preaching that has been done here at Bible Baptist Church before. The physical pain, the physical suffering that he went through was atrocious, but far more than the physical pain was the sin of the entire world being placed upon him. He who knew no sin became sin for us. This is why he cried out, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Because God had turned his back on his son. I want you to understand there's one reason all of this happened, because of love. That's long suffering. Let's face it. People aren't always as perfect as you and I are. They are messy. And they don't do things the, the way that we think they should do things. People don't uh, uh, people don't meet our expectations, do they? We have a certain thing that we expect people to do, especially other Christians. We expect them to act a certain way, and when they don't, we get upset, we get frustrated. The Bible says that we ought to be long-suffering. Some people are more sensitive than you are. I love people like that. I find it hard. Sometimes I, uh, my wife will say to me, suck it up, buttercup. And so sometimes I need to hear that. Not, I don't think it's very often. Maybe she would tell you otherwise. But I want you to understand that there are times that people are just more sensitive than you are in you need to be long-suffering. Some people are quicker-tempered than you are. For some of you, that's hard to believe. Somebody that has a quicker temper than I do. You see, people are different. People are messy. They don't do things the way that we think they should do them. And so we need to be long-suffering. When someone does something different than us, guess what it does? It grates on us. I, we have a grater at home. And usually we grate cheese. You know the wonderful thing about cheese is when you put it on there and you begin running it over there, guess what happens? It starts to fall apart. It starts to break apart and you don't even know uh, uh, how much you have sometimes and how far it's broken apart until you begin to look at the damage. Listen, when it rubs us the wrong way when people do things different than us. It grates on us. It kind of tears us apart. We don't like it wears us out sometimes it hurts us but love is patient and love is long suffering love love puts up with a lot of junk 
I don't know how to say it any more eloquent than that. That's long-suffering. Love just puts up with a lot of junk. Love doesn't give in just because we don't like it. Love doesn't stop just because I'm not comfortable. Love doesn't stop just because I don't like the way you're acting. Love suffers long. Long suffering. I love the way the Bible words things. Now watch this. Look at verse 4. Charity suffereth long. And look at this. And is kind. This is like the double-sided sword here. You see, there's long-suffering, and then there's long-suffering with kindness. (laughs) Because it's far different just to be long-suffering than to be long-suffering with kindness. Sometimes we can suffer long, and we cannot say anything, and we can just stay out of the way and just let people act the way that they want to act. Just don't come near me, and I won't blow up at you, okay? But that's not what true love does. Charity suffereth long and is kind. So on top of putting up with the bunch of junk that's going on, you have to reach out and be kind to them. Long-suffering is hard enough. And add on top of that, kindness. Love suffers long and is kind. Most of us think we are doing a good job by not unleashing the annoyed wrath upon the lousy person who always makes us feel like screaming. We think we've succeeded because we kept our mouth shut. But just holding in your wrath is not good enough. Love is kind as well. Love goes beyond biting our tongue and not doing what we wanted to do. Love goes beyond not smashing a wall with your fist. Love goes beyond being frustrated and not doing some things that you inside want to do. It's actually going out of your way to be kind to the person. I've always been intrigued with the statement at the beginning of the New Testament in Matthew when Jesus says that we ought to love our enemies, do good to them, which despitefully, and pray for them, which despitefully use us and persecute us. It doesn't say do nothing and just stay away from them. It says do good to them. That means you know that person you absolutely can't stand in this church? I hope that's not the case. The person that frustrates you the most, you know what you do? You ask them if you can take them out for dinner. You ask, you go and you get them a Tim Hortons card and you give it to them. There's going to be a bunch of people getting Tim Hortons cards in the next little bit. If you get a Tim Hortons card, that doesn't mean somebody hates you, okay? I want you to see this, though. It's being kind. It's going out of your way and swallowing your pride and looking upon the other person and saying, listen, I don't care how you use me. I don't care how you abuse me. I am going to love because my Lord Jesus Christ loved me enough to die on the cross for my sins when I was unlovable. He suffered long and was kind. Jesus didn't curse. He could have sent 10,000 angels to kill every person that was there Yet he didn't. He was kind. Guess what he said? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. 
Let me ask you this. When was the last time when somebody hurt you that you said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do? Many of us would struggle with this. But this is what love is. Love is kind. There are going to be people in this church that disrupt our church, that mess things up, that cause stress in your life, that put burdens upon you. But if you are placed in this body by God, then we ought to love them, and love suffers long and is kind. So there are going to be problems. There may not be now, but there are going to be. Love suffers long and is kind. Number two, I want you to see this. The Bible says in verse 4, charity envieth not. Envieth not. Charity is not jealous of another person. Another person gets a new job, not jealous. Another person gets a new car, not jealous. Another person sings better than you. Some of you, that's not too hard. Not jealous. Another person preaches or teaches better than you. Not jealous. Another person gets more attention than you. Not jealous. Jealousy, get this, write this down. Jealousy is not allowed in love. Jealousy is not allowed in love. We've seen this statement all over the place in the last several months. We're all in this together, right? I'm honestly, I'm sick of seeing it. Because I would love for us all to be in it together. But the only, a lot of the, what it's done is it's caused a whole lot of strife. Listen, there are things that come into your life that can build up strife. And make you look at another person and say, listen, I want what they have. I don't want what's going on in my life. I want their life. Their life looks so much better than mine. Charity envieth not. We're all in this together. We are not in this to make a name for ourselves. At all. This is, this is not your church. This is not my church. This is God's church. This is about making an existing to glorify God. Our job is to seek Christ and to share hope. That's our goal. So let's get off and trying to stop, trying to get up the ladder and climb up the, the spiritual ladder. It doesn't matter. Glorify God with your life. Reach others. Seek Christ, share hope. Jealousy shouldn't even be in the mix. You know what jealousy does? Jealousy cuts each other down so you begin looking at someone else and saying oh how come you have that how did you get that and you begin cutting them down instead of saying hey you got a new job that's awesome oh man look at that car that is absolutely amazing i'm so happy for you you got a raise at work wow excellent envious not Listen, you can say sometimes those words, but God looks at the heart, and God knows what you're truly feeling. God knows that if you're saying, oh, good for you, but why can't I be the one? God knows that. You see, true love comes out of a heart. We ought to be building each other up. Instead of envy, we should be exhorting. 
Instead of envy, we should be exhorting. So love, charity, envieth not. Doesn't stop there. The Bible says charity vaunteth not itself. Vaunteth not itself. It means simply to brag or boast. It does not boast in itself. Again, as is said before, we're not in this for ourselves. By the way, if you, are, if, if you understand what love is, love has nothing to do with you. Love has everything to do with the receiver. Love has everything to do with the receiver. It's not about whether they reciprocate that love or not. It's all about giving. It's all about giving and pushing your love onto someone else and saying, listen, it doesn't matter what I want. It's all about someone else. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 is written in the context of the church. And so as you look around, it is never about you. It is always about the person sitting next to you or behind you or around you or the person that you never talked to. Love vaunteth not itself. We're not in this for ourselves. We are in this for Christ. I have this problem. Not so much with other people, but I'm sure it does come across it sometimes. I want my wife to know how great I am. I'm honest, just being honest. I desperately want my wife to know how great I am. I'll say things like, did you notice that I did the laundry today? That hasn't happened in a while. Did you notice that I did this? Did you even see that I fill in the blank? I desperately want her to see how great I am. I want you to understand this. That's wrong. There are probably times in my life as a pastor and as a, as a friend that I have done those things. That's wrong, 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 wrong. You see, love does not brag on itself. Guess what love does? Love brags on others. Love brags on others. Proverbs chapter 27 and verse 2, the Bible says, Let another man praise thee and not thine own mouth, a stranger and not thine own lips. Listen, when somebody does something good, you go over and you tell everybody you possibly can about it, even if it's that person that you don't like. Because that's what love does. It vaunteth not itself. It does not seek its own. We'll get to that. Bible says this, vaunteth not itself, and then it says, is not puffed up. Is not puffed up. Puffed up means to inflate, to make proud. Is not puffed up. It is not inflating itself. It is not making itself proud. Let me ask you this question. Why do we boast on ourselves? Why do we say, look at me, look at what I did, look at how I Fill in the blank. You know why? Because we love ourselves, don't we? We all love ourselves and we want everybody else to love us as much as we love ourselves. The term was inflate. I've, I love words and you know that. If you take the word inflate and break it up, you get inflate. Guess what that is? 
that's internal. You're blowing it up from the inside, right? If you've ever inflated something, you don't blow air all over it. You find the place that it's going inside and you blow it up from there. You pump up a basketball, you got to find a needle to get it inside the ball. It's internal. So I want you to understand, this is an internal battle. This is an internal battle. We think of ourselves more highly than we ought to think oftentimes. And so we look at ourselves and we puff ourselves up and we inflate ourselves and it's an internal struggle. I want you to understand this. Love is not puffed up. Love is humble. Love is humble. Jesus said, come unto me, all ye who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He said, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Why? Because I am meek and lowly in heart. And ye shall find rest unto your souls. The Bible says that Jesus humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Love is not puffed up. Jesus Christ is love. God is love. Love is not puffed up. Love is humble. So as you're looking at your life and as you look across this room and as you think about our church and in the context of this church, are you puffed up? Are you trying to make a name for yourself? Are you trying to inflate yourself or make yourself proud? That's not love. Love is humble. Love seeks to put up and inflate someone else and help them. The Bible continues. In verse 5 it says, Doth not behave itself unseemly. Unseemly means shamefully. Does not behave itself shamefully. How many of you have ever had a fit? Thrown a fit and done something you regret? Anybody? <laughs> You're not supposed to point at your spouse. Don't do that. Even as an adult, we throw fits. They may not be necessarily laying on the floor kicking and screaming. Well, we all throw fits and done something you regret. Love doesn't do that. Love doesn't throw a fit. Love acts in accordance with what will help the other person. Love acts in accordance with what will help the other person. Because I'm not, I'm not puffing myself up. I'm not trying to do my own thing. I'm not trying to act in a way that is for myself that's what a child, when they throw a fit, they want something. They're not throwing a fit because they want to give mommy a new dress. That's not why they're throwing a fit. If you have a child like that, bring them over. I want it. Not one child has ever done that. The child throws a fit because they're getting, they can't get the candy they want or the toys they want. They want what they want. And they act shamefully. Every one of us has seen it in the grocery store or at a restaurant. And sometimes we've been there ourselves where it's our child acting shamefully. Yet, there are church members that act shamefully because they're not getting what they want. Love does not throw a fit. Love acts in accordance with what will help the body, not bring down the body. 
I can guarantee you this. I have never been ashamed of myself for helping another person. I have never been ashamed of myself for helping another person or being kind to another person. The only times that I have been ashamed of myself is when I have done something from my own selfish desires, trying to brag or boast on myself. Those are the times I'm ashamed. Those are the times I've acted shamefully. Over the past 43 years of the Bible Baptist Church, I am sure we've had people in our church behave shamefully. And when it happens, it hurts the entire body. Again, bringing it back to a child. When a child throws a temper tantrum, the mother's not proud as punch. She's ashamed. The, the father is not excited about his child throwing a fit. Ashamed. Love does not behave itself unseemly. It continues. The Bible continues and says, Seeketh not her own. I'll put it this way. I am not concerned with my own affairs. I am not concerned with my own affairs. So for instance, I am not building my own kingdom. I am not trying to get everybody to follow Johnny Yeomans and, and be Johnny Yeomans followers. I'm not seeking my own. I'm seeking the affairs of God. I'm seeking to glorify Him. I'm seeking to glorify His body and to encourage and exhort His body. Listen, if I, st I need to say this. If I stand up here and do my own thing and do what I want to do, the body will go downhill very, very quickly. As leader and as a, as a member of this body, I ought to be doing everything that encourages, exhorts, and furthers the body of Christ. I'm not here to run my own show and do my own thing. If I wanted to do that, I'd go somewhere else and do something else. This is about the body of Christ, and we ought to have that same attitude. Every single person working together, building the body, seeking not their own. We all have a natural desire to seek our own, again, because we love our own. We love ourselves. So we have a natural desire to seek our own desires. The Bible says this, that we ought to love thy neighbor as thyself. We've, we've broken this down before. You know, I love myself so much that when I'm cold, I'm going to go put a sweater on. When I'm hungry, I'm going to go get something to eat. When I'm thirsty, I'm going to take a drink. When I want to do what I want to do, I'm going to do what I want to do because I love myself. That's exactly the way I ought to be loving the other people in our church. When they need something, you got it. I'll be there. You say, Pastor Yeomans, I can't do that for everybody. I understand that. Funny, Mr. Drain called. I felt horrible about this. Mr. Drain called today or this week and, and let me know that uh, Nancy had passed away, and he said, we'd like to have the funeral uh, Saturday at 2 o'clock. And my heart sank because we already had a funeral plan for Saturday at 2 o'clock. I, I love Mr. Drain, and I love Mrs. Drain. I wanted to please him and, and just be there for him, anything that he needed. And I was sad that I couldn't perform that, and so we were able to move it to 11 o'clock. All worked out, but I want you to understand that there's times you can't do everything for everybody. 
but love thy neighbor as thyself. It seeketh not her own. The Bible continues. Is not easily provoked. Is not easily provoked. I love Peter. Peter is a lot like me, a loud mouth, opens his mouth and inserts his foot often. But Peter said this, how oft shall I forgive my brother? Yea, seven times? And Jesus said unto him, not seven times, but 70 times seven. Not easily provoked. How many times does somebody have to poke you in the side before you unleash your fury. I've seen a father, this little boy, his father, or excuse me, the little boy just poking his father. Poke, 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 just trying to annoy dad, and dad just sits there like a rock. Not easily provoked. I've seen the other happen too. Where a child does something and dad just unleashes fury and just comes unglued on the child. That's easily provoked. Listen, if somebody pokes you in the side seven times and you forgive them, I commend you. But Jesus says not easily provoked 70 times seven. The Bible continues. This is one of the things that has affected my life most recently. Thinketh no evil. Thinketh no evil. You see, when we want to put ourselves up on a higher plane, we often try to find something wrong with the other person. When we want to build ourselves up, when we want to climb the corporate ladder, so to speak, we begin to find flaws in other people. We begin putting them down. We begin stamping out their light and saying, listen, they're not all they're cracked up to be. And they begin just shoving down, putting them down. And what it does is it gives us the illusion that we are climbing. But in all reality, we are doing nothing of the sort. We are falling further and further down. Again, love does not seek her own. So if I love someone, guess what I will do? I will think good about them. I'm sure you've heard people say, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. I give them the benefit of the doubt. I'm, I'm not going to doubt their intentions. I give them the benefit of doubt. That's exactly what we are talking about. There are multiple examples that we can give here. Again, the one I'd like to key in on is a husband and wife because I think it's so apt. Now watch how easily this happens. I'll insert my wife and I's names just for sake of illustration. Beth has had a hard day at home with the kids, and I come home from work, expecting to receive a hero's welcome for providing for my family all day. I'm immediately met with something to this effect. I need a break from these children as soon as I walk in the door. There's no hug. There's no kiss. There's no, hello, darling. How was your day? Why don't you come over and put your feet up and I'll give you the paper. It does not leave it to beaver. There's none of that. There's just, here's the kids, I'm leaving. I need a break. This is when life gets interesting. 
I was hopeful to receive my hero's welcome. Didn't even come close. Nowhere near it. My thoughts automatically start with, now don't judge. Well, what did she do all day? I mean, she just stayed home with the kids all day. How hard can that possibly be? I've been working all day. What has she been doing? You see what just happened? I just thought evil. I just thought evil. I have just unfairly put my wife into a position that she has no business being in. I did that. Love, charity, thinketh no evil. And so it, there, there may be an entire case that you could say, yep, she actually did do nothing today. It doesn't matter. My responsibility in loving a member is to simply think no evil. My first thought should have been this. She must have had a bad day. I wonder what happened. wonder what's going on. You know, the same should be said of our church people. The same should be said of the body of Christ. You, you understand this, right? People are not perfect. Neither are you. And you're going to have a bad day someday, and you're going to snap at somebody, and you're going to uh, come unglued on accident, and you're going to expect people to forgive you. Yet we don't give people the same leeway. We think evil of them. And when we begin thinking evil, guess what we begin doing? We begin building a case against them. We begin looking for evil. We begin seeking evil. We can, listen, you want to build a case against me? I can, I can give you all kinds of information. It would be easy to build a case and find my flaws. But love thinketh no evil. People are not perfect. They have baggage. They do wrong things. We need to be careful to think no evil. If we will love the people around us, we will think no evil. It is absolutely, hear, hear this, it is absolutely liberating to do so. It is absolutely liberating to do so. Listen, when I come home and I don't get my hero's welcome and I'm frustrated and thinking, what did she do all day? Can you just feel the clouds rolling in? Just the depression setting in? But if I say, hey, babe, I'm sorry I had a bad day. You go do what you need to do. The sunshine starts to come out. And I enjoy my children. And I get to have a good time with them. And I don't have to be thinking about all these terrible, horrible, no good things that are going on. Thinketh no evil. Let the sun shine in. Face it with a grin. Open up your heart and let the sun shine in. You do not have to assume. You don't have to scheme. You don't have to try to figure out. You just think good. I want to give you one last passage and close this Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8. The Bible says this, Finally, brethren, Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, 
Whatsoever things are pure. Whatsoever things are lovely. Whatsoever things are of good report. If there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. Love's actions are pretty specific. Love's actions are very in-depth. But every single one of them focuses on the other person and not ourselves. When you begin to focus on your wants and your desires, you are no longer loving. I'm going to say that again. When you begin to focus on your wants and your desires, you are no longer loving. Because love gives. Love looks at the other person and says, what can I do to help? So let's read through 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 and 5. One last time just to close. Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up, doth not behave itself unseemly. Seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you so much for the love wherewith you loved us. Father, it would have been so easy for you to not be kind and not suffer long. It would have been so easy for you to think evil of us because, Father, we are evil. But yet, in your great love, you looked beyond all of those things. And you looked at us in our need and loved us anyway. Father, as a church, as a body of Christ, as individuals, help us each to dig deep into our hearts and see, do we really love or do we just say it? Is it just lip service or is there a heart love? Maybe our love for our spouse isn't what it ought to be. Maybe our love for our children isn't what it ought to be. Maybe our love for our fellow church members is not what it ought to be. Then, Father, today I pray that you would convict us, change us, allow your love to flow through us. Father, we ask all these things in your name. Amen.